Todd, welcome to the show, man. Super excited to have you on here, get to learn a little bit more about your story and who you are. But just to begin with, who are you? What do you do and where are you from? My name is Todd Eicholtz, owner and CEO of a a Paving. We're a paving, concrete, and seal coating company out of the suburbs of Chicago. I've owned this company for 10 years. Today is actually the five-year anniversary of buying it completely. Awesome. Congrats. So 10 years ago, I bought 50% of it. I was 32. My partner was 72. He was looking for a transition. Kids awesome. wanted nothing to do with the business. And uh, he was actually my paving company. We're, we're a commercial real estate development company. And he was actually my paving company and got to be really good friends with him, got to know him and built a bond. And he offered to come in and be a partner. And five years ago today, I bought the other half. That's, That's awesome. awesome. That's a a rare story. Uh, Todd, tell us about, I guess that's kind of how you got into, into construction, but what was your formal entry into the construction industry? Sweeping floors when I was about eight years old. Wow. My grandfather, a commercial real estate developer, had a very large construction company, built industrial parks. So bought raw land, put in sewers, roads, subdivided lots, and then did build the suits on all the lots. So we controlled mm -hmm. all the construction. So ever since I was a kid, I've been involved in construction in a number of different ways. And he was also one of the best entrepreneurs I've ever met in my life. So mm. had a lot of other things outside of construction, which is the way I'm wired as well. Owned, owned several other businesses, all somewhat with a construction focus. So ever since I was a little kid, I was always at his side. He was my neighbor. His backyard touched my backyard. So oh, awesome. every day after school, summers, everything else, we were two peas in a pod. And so he was mentoring me when I didn't realize I was being mentored for about a decade after that. Wow. That's cool. And then ended up kind of taking over his his real estate business and construction, built a bunch of buildings, started doing a lot of general contracting work once 2008 and nine kind of hit. Most of the stuff we built was for ourselves investments that we owned or the investments in the industrial park that we built, build the suits. So started doing a lot of general contracting work, spending other people's money for a change and uh, did that for a bunch of years. And that's kind of how I got to know A&A Paving a little bit more. They were, they were doing some work for my grandfather before I was around right. and uh, just built that relationship and kind of fell in love with the idea of, of starting something new. And yeah. uh, here we are 10 years later. It's, I mean, Todd, I'm sure you have, but have you ever read the book, Rich, Rich Dad, Poor Dad? Absolutely. It's, it's, it sounds very similar, right? Like that opportunity to get to learn and be mentored at, at an early age. Man, tell us a little bit more. I mean, you talked about it. You got to be mentored and, and really, I guess that, that kind of set you on your entrepreneurial journey. But tell us some more about that, that first phase before you became into ownership, some of the lessons you learned as you were coming up through the industry. My grandfather taught me hard work and grinding, that every job is important, that whether you're sweeping the floors or you own the place, it, it doesn't matter. And usually when you own the place, you still sweep the floors. Right. So he taught me hard work. He taught me a lot of things that I still carry through today. I actually have a picture of him behind us, um, just always looking after me. He passed away a number of years ago, but still one of the biggest influences on my life. And he taught me a lot that really developed my faith as well, that we've been blessed with a lot and I've been blessed mm -hmm. more than I deserve. But with that becomes giving back and making sure others are taken care of. And that's, that's a big responsibility. Yeah. He always joked that he could never outgive God that anytime that 
you know, he did a lot of crazy things. He bought a fire department, remodeled it into an after, <laughs> oh, wow. after school care and an adult daycare hmm. because one of his friends at the time, they were in their late seventies, his wife didn't have anywhere to go and she had Alzheimer's. So he literally bought this from the village, turned it in this and donated it to the church. And he said, anytime wow. he did something like that, somehow God just overflowed the blessings 10 times. Yeah. So he'd always joke that, yeah, you've been given a lot, but you're, you're expected a lot more on the other yeah. side. So he, he developed me in a lot of different ways all around between family, work and, and my faith. That's awesome. Too much is given, much is required, right? right. That Amen. That's the... Most people say too much is given, much is expected, but much is required. We know that. Absolutely. And that's something that I get to pass on to my kids now and just explain that the life we have isn't normal. We, we are blessed and, and we can bless others and, and we, have, right. we have a calling to do that. So that's awesome. it's kind of cool. My youngest daughter is wired identically to me. Can't sit still. Entrepreneurial mindset. What can we build? What can we grow? What can we do? That's awesome. uh, my oldest is is wired like my wife. She's wired like my mother and my sister. She's gonna be a preschool teacher, but it's cool to see. Now I understand what my grandfather kind of saw in me at a young age, and that kind of that spark. So I get to kind of take what he taught me and pass it on to her, and hopefully she's running everything someday. That'd be yeah, awesome. That's awesome. That's awesome, man. Todd, I, I honestly, your story started out incredible, and it, it, what you share with us offline too. I mean, this is. I'm excited to learn a little bit more. So let's dive into just kind of how you got started. We know that you're in development and your and your grandfather kind of led you in into the realm of construction itself. But when you made this decision to buy ANA, what was the kind of contributing factor of when you're like, you know, I want to kind of go off on my own. And I guess it was kind of something that, right, maybe in your mind, your granddad started the development. You kind of been doing that, but ANA is something that you can that's like, that's yours. You can kind of jump into it and grow something, you know? So what was the catalyst to kind of get to that point? So I, I always felt like God created me to lead a team. And as a general contractor, that's a very different leading. You're talking subcontractors, they're working for you. You're their customer expectations. The way you lead them is completely different than a team member, an employee, and I, I think I maybe learned some bad habits of on the general contracting side of what I thought leading was, which mm -hmm. can be quick deadlines, yelling and screaming if it's not met. And I just felt like God called me for more and just kept praying. God, I, I, and as a general contractor, we, we built a lot. I mean, a lot with a very small staff. And I just felt like he was calling me to something bigger. And I kid you not, within a couple of weeks, Mr. Olson came to me and, and said, Hey, I think we should go to lunch. And I said, okay, usually, you know, I was president of the chamber of commerce at the time. And, you know, there's a lot of insurance guys and bankers and they all kind of huddle in a corner. Him and I were the only contractors. So we're like huddling in the other corner and, you know, we, we'd have a beer or two and we'd be talking about equipment. I would, you know, with a lot of the shopping centers and property we own, I would actually rent his skid steers to plow them. Oh, cool. Because he was seasonal. So we just had this great relationship. And he said, I think we should go to lunch. So we did. He made an offer, kind of pitched it to me. And a couple of weeks later, we had a done deal. But I just felt like I was designed and called to lead a team, yeah. not just a business the way that my grandfather was. So kind of what I always wanted to do was do yeah. business better than him and also on the family side. That's good. I'm gonna, so, I'm writing I'm writing two things down because 
one, what leading was, that kind of struck mm-hmm. home to me, right? Let's, let's dive in deeper to that because, as you know, Todd, our podcast is about equipping the next generation, right? And so this next generation that's coming in, the people that are our age, they're going through that right now. They're seeing, hey, I'm going to try to troubleshoot and try to find out how I'm supposed to lead right. Like I need to find who myself is in my own personality. But then also I got to figure out, you know, what is the difference between yelling and screaming or, or maybe raising your voice and being fair but firm, right? There, There's a lot different attitude. But just talk about I – mean, I can go on about just stuff in my – I, I'll, I'll be quiet because I can just talk about it and people already know about it from the podcast previously. And I, I've made plenty of mistakes just in my first three years of what leading was to me. But tell us a little bit about that, because for our generation, that first three years, it's imperative to learn your personality, how you lead others, what it what it means to be a general contractor, a trade partner. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, I mean, one of the biggest things is when we were leading subcontractors, you can kind of all lead them about the same it's deadlines, it's, it's meeting expectations, it's accountability. And sometimes it, it can get heated when that doesn't get met. Leading a team is, is entirely different and you can't lead everyone the same. Something we do at ANA is you've heard of disc assessments and you've heard yeah. of all these other things. We use something called live style and it's, it's how people process and give and receive information. Hmm. And so you know, in the first couple of years, we couldn't figure out when, when I came, you know, granted this company was 55 years old when I bought it. Oh, so wow. I didn't know that. That set in its ways. Yeah. We had an older staff. I mean, I think the median age was like 60 and mm-hmm. I'm 32 coming in here and That's just tough. ideas of how trying to, to change everything. Yeah. So we're trying to figure out why is everybody button heads when everybody's got the same goal. We all Mm -hmm. want to see the company do well. We all want to make money and provide for our families. But why is the day-to-day so hard when everybody's just trying to do their job? And what we discovered was by using LiveStyle and how people process information, how they're wired to do their jobs. So if you take like a salesperson, they're, they're wired for to be a total extrovert. They're wired to kind of be the life of the party. They they like to be outgoing. They like to get you know the 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 job. They get so excited by it, but they suck at details usually. Now, if you take your ops manager, your whoever in finance, they might not be wired that same way. They're going to be extremely, extremely, extremely detail orientated, which is what makes them so great at their job. So when those people are passing back information or having to communicate, they're just wired totally different. So it can be. Right. Why is this person always up my you-know-what about the paperwork? Because that's what they need to do their job really, really well. But then they say, why is this person never care? Why is this person always out and entertaining clients and partying? It's like, but that's what makes them really good at their job. Getting everybody to realize she's not doing that to be a pain in the butt. She's doing that because that's what her job requires, and she's really good at it. And so is the other gal in sales. She's wired to do it this way. And that's what makes her really good. So getting everybody to understand they're not doing it to mess with you. They're not doing it to be a pain in the butt. This is what the job requires for us to all be at a super high level. If we want to be a high performing team, we have to have high performing leaders in every seat. I love that topic. On my last job site in New Orleans, we had to have a security checkpoint when you came in the building because it was a federal job, still active floors, right? And so the foreman there, I think, 
Mr. Vic, he was in his 60s at that point, early 60s. And, man, just a dude that I learned a lot from. Nothing about construction. I mean, I learned stuff from construction about him. But the main thing I can remember from that relationship is people. He knew how to get anybody to do anything, not just for him, but for anyone. He just he knew someone's personality. We have a security checkpoint. And so every single morning, he's coming in, verifying who the person is, getting to shake their hand, right? But he's like the salesman that has this big personality, but he knows when, all right, that guy has a big personality. I'll just tone it down and let him, right? He just knows when the next guy comes in, he's an introvert. I got to really, I got to get him going. I got to get him excited for the day. And I was just like blown away by it. My first few weeks, I was just like, how do you do that, man? He's like, man, you just got to care. You just got to figure out who that person is and care. And I think a lot about where I was in the beginning when I first started my full-time job for Brassman and Gory, man, I was quick deadlines, yelling, screaming, why have you done this, right? And I have a fire in me like that I, that I can be released. And people are just like, man, again, talking about what we were talking about before, I'm this little guy. I'm not intimidating. So when I'm yelling, it's really not scary anyway. People are probably just laughing. But I had to learn if I didn't first invest in the person in front of me and get to know them or even care remotely about anything that wasn't work-related, they're probably not going to want to do a lot for me. And so – that took me a while to figure out. And unfortunately, a lot of our industry, they still think that way, right? But there's some grumblings that are starting to change. And there's this new tide that's coming in that really put people first. And I saw this on your LinkedIn. It said, paving, putting people first. I love that. Yeah, our tagline is pavers, putting people first, because we, we truly believe that if, if we put the employees first, they're going to slot, they're going to serve our, our customers. They're going to serve our community and asphalt will follow. If we just take care of the team and we take care of the people and we make this the best place to work for in construction, which we've won that award two years in a row now, it just works. And it's, we're trying to be the non-contractor contractor because as, I mean, there's this massive exodus of, of guys coming, guys and gals, 55 and older operators are retiring at like an eight to one for what people are coming in at. Like we have to get younger people interested in something that's not really that sexy. Like, Hey, you want to sell paving and concrete or you want to be in this? And we have to get people said when we can compete with stay at home jobs or someone that could work Mm -hmm. for Google, like you can make an impact in this world selling paving because it's not about the paving and we're the best at it, but it's about the people. If you can serve the people, I mean, it's just, we're just trying to change how people think in this industry. But like you said, Davis, there's this huge rift right now of a certain way of doing it the old way, a big gap, and then newer, younger leaders that kind of know there's a better way to do this. And trying to get those to mesh, they're hard. It's tough. They're hard. And And we we had to do that. I mean, our crew, average tenure on our crew is 22 years. Wow. So they've seen and been led by do it my way or else a very command authoritative penalties. If you don't like you're going to sit into, well, why don't we rehash this and talk about it? Like, let's talk this through. What could we have done better? We have a lot of meetings and sometimes they're like, why do we have so many of these meetings? It's like, cause we get better. Yeah. We're not meeting to meet, but if we can use it and get better on every single job, like, happens it just does this is construction but how do we get better and then how do we serve the team through it and then it it just works it's not yelling and screaming yeah is technically probably easier but for the long haul that will not work at this industry 
probably just in a few short years. It's already not working. Right. And, and the and younger it, generation expect different. Yeah. And it's just, to me, the, the yelling and screaming is just lazy, right? Whenever I see someone that their go-to is yelling and lazy, I'm thinking about, all right, well, what's the ulterior motive here? Why are they acting like this, right? That's where I go to. It's like, yep. what's going on for them to now, this is so important that we're yelling and screaming. But to back up, Todd, what I loved about you, what you were talking about is, it's one of the things that Walker and I are wanting to do. We were trying to get out on job site and paint the picture for the younger generation, right? Like coming to a, a Todd site and seeing what it looks like for his company to put people first and to make a like a YouTube video, kind of like Aaron Witt's doing. But because that younger generation, man, like you said, we're competing against Apple. We're competing against Google. We're competing against having this in their hand at all times. So we got to go there. We got to get to the point where – they have some type of video or picture to where they see construction. Maybe it's in high school. Maybe it's before then, right? Where they can go through and get to see, man, what's it like to be a paver? What's it like to be a roofer? What's it like to work for a general contractor? What's it like to, look, to work for a trade partner, right? And just understand that. But then even take it the next step, like you're talking about, how can we not just put that out, but also show there's companies that are doing a really good job. And the secret to that is the relationships that they've made. Right. So Todd Eccles has put together a company that works hard on relationships. And that's what you said first. You didn't say we work hard at paving. And I know you do. Right. But you have the right things in order. You are putting people first in a byproduct of you putting people first as your company succeed. Like you said, the past two years, your company has won the best contractor award. Right. That just speaks for itself. Yeah. And the values of our company are serve, grow, impact. And if you think about the order they're in. We can't grow unless we serve. We can't impact unless we serve and grow. I mean, there's a reason why we, we picked those specific words and that, and, and those are the values we live by. And I mean, to, to go back to what you said about the yelling and screaming, most of the time it's it's overcompensating for an insecurity. Yeah. And I'm just going to power up on scream at you until you just do it my way because yeah. they don't know how to lead. And with the younger generation now, it's I think a lot of them think that's just the way construction is. And they're like, I want nothing to do with that. But if we can show them that construction is actually evolving. I mean, most trades are probably 15 years behind the times. Paving might be 20, but that this could be a great industry for them. And you can make a phenomenal living. Mm -hmm. I mean, we're, we're a union shop and the benefits and the payroll that we pay is still blows my mind, but they make a hell of a living. Yeah. So, I mean, when you can make north of a hundred grand seasonal seven, eight months, that's not bad. It's not yeah. bad at all. So that's awesome. Especially for the kids that maybe college isn't the answer. Right. Like college wasn't for me. I was forced to go and I threw in the towel my senior year and quit and said, I want to go to work. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's not for everybody, but that doesn't mean that you can't live an amazing life, have a phenomenal career and make an impact serving other people. That's right. Yeah. That's it's incredible that you say that, Todd. I mean, it's you're right. Construction, the industry itself, right, lags behind. I mean, it's 15, 20, 25 years behind a lot of different things. And that's one of David's mentioned it earlier. That's one of our missions is to, is to equip the next generation of builders, right? How do we bring in more people? Because, like you said, it's an eight to one or maybe even worse ratio of people getting out of this industry versus people coming into it. So, for your company, two things really. One, you know, you talked a lot about having to change the culture. How how was that? You know, what was the pushback that you received from the people there? How long did it take to truly 
everyone kind of learned, oh, we, we're not going to do it the old way. We actually kind of get to work together, right? And then number two, how, how are y'all going about bringing in new new workers, new generations of builders that can continue the paving industry going forward? Because AI is replacing a lot of things, but it can't replace construction, at least not in the not in the near future at all, anywhere close, right? It's going to need people. It's going to need workers. It's going to need someone who can go out there and actually put something down, use their hands to build it. So what is A&A doing to, to combat that? So uh, on the culture side, culture's, culture's a funny thing. It's what you create, but it's also what you allow. So mm. every company yeah. has a culture, whether they think it or not. It, it's You might not be actively trying to grow a culture or have it be what you want it to be, but every company has a culture based on just what you allow. The employees wow. in the team see and feel from the top down who gets away with what, what's allowed is a ton of swearing, is bad jokes, is derogatory things towards women. If that's allowed, that's your culture, unfortunately, because you're allowing it. So when we really had a mindset and an intentionality on the culture, we were all totally agreeing in what culture we have and what we wanted. It just was never out in the open and a focus. So once we really started saying these are the values. This is our mission statement. This is what we do. And this is how we're going to get there. And this is what we're going to protect. And that means exiting people that don't fit the culture. Mm. And that's a super hard thing for certain companies to do, especially yeah. when that toxic person produces a lot of freaking money in sales. Because yep. you can overlook because sometimes sales cures all, but it doesn't cure bad culture. But everyone else sure. notices that you kept them around. Yeah. And they know why. Mm-hmm. All Johnny's allowed because he bring he he brings in bags of money yeah. in sales, but he's also a train wreck of a human being. He's right. horrible to his family and he's drunk half the time. Like, mm. so sometimes you have to make that hard call if you're going to be a culture driven company, and that's what we are. We made a lot of tough decisions and exited people that I mean, we went backwards in sales, we went backwards in production sometimes because it means that much. Yeah, but that was a very short stop of staying there because once they exited that gave other leaders that never even had a chance to rise now we can see what they can do it's awesome and then they start realizing oh that that stuff doesn't fly here like they start you know puffing up their chest of like yeah because they're they have the same values Mm -hmm. so we hire for value and integrity and we trained for competency and the industry and all that i love that because it's awesome it's not the hardest industry in the world. And if we're going to serve people, I want people that are hardwired to be servant leaders, help others, actually care about our clients, care about our team. I'll teach you length times width. Like we've got a hell of a training program. It'll take seven weeks, but we'll, we'll get you there. But trying to do it the other way. And just because someone's in the industry and it used to be, you know, you, you never hire a, a salesman from outside the paving industry. You got It's because it's too hard to train them. And it's like, yeah, but then the pool is this big, right? You get what you get, and it's and then growing smaller day by day. Yeah. yeah, and you wonder why the people you get aren't the quality that maybe you want. So, ninety percent right. of my office. So we we've got twelve or thirteen people in the office. Ninety percent of them are from outside the industry. Wow. So we started looking at the positions and saying, what do we want for that position, not from that person? So. We hired our operations director who, in our world, operations is the internal side. 
So customer service, finance, all these other things. And we're like, who has, what industry has the best type of customer service? Like the hotel industry. So we started searching and putting ads out for hotel people. And we were able to get Jess who came from that. And she brought all of her hotel knowledge and customer cool. experience to change this. My president came from Disney, best customer experience in the world. Wow. So we focus awesome. on the customer experience. And then we started hiring people from outside paving and teaching them what we do. That's pretty so, cool. Truly trying to be the non-contractor contractor and hiring for integrity and culture. And then we'll train you for that.